You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It appears there's not much going on in the market at the moment, but apparently there is an awful lot going on. And the person that's going to confirm that is Liston Mainchies, independent financial consultant speaking to us from Johannesburg in South Africa. Liston, you have been very, very vocal recently with your emails, with your intel, as you call it, which you kindly send me every morning. Actually, there's quite a lot going on. Mr. Powell last night, for example, the chairman of the US Federal Reserve, said things that I thought were quite meaningful. Well, again, I think this is a a good change, and it ties in quite a lot with what you and I have been discussing. You know, everybody is madly keen on Fed watching, and normally they do nothing and say nothing, and it just becomes uh, an event, uh, and and it's tick-click. But here he very specifically said something that you and I have have talked about, and that is uh, inflation may be, or lack of inflation may be temporary. Yeah. And I pointing out to people for some time, you know, that the oil price is more than 30% up so far this year. Now, in America, they measure inflation on a monthly basis and do all kinds of seasonal adjustment to it. But the point is you can't hide a 35% move for very long. And it obviously has spinover effects everywhere in the price of goods on shelves. Uh, It has to have that effect. Uh, and we definitely had, you know, the opposite of on the way down from 120 all the way down to 20 something that the oil price got to. Then moving back to 45, it really was that was fairly brief, and so you didn't really feel that that jump below large. It was large, but people had bought in advance and and taken protective measures. But this particular one is quite pernicious. It's been lasting quite a long time. And uh, I think people are now having to say, no, well, we have to build it in. We can no longer say, you know, we had the cover or we think it's going back down. So one way or another, I think he's absolutely correct and he's pointed it out. Uh, And again, uh, traders, and particularly those who respond on a daily basis, were rather surprised. But I think the longer term investors were less surprised. Okay, let's move overseas now. I mean, apart from the fact that I do like your your second piece that you sent me this morning, yields rise after Fed's Powell says low inflation may be transitory. It's been in, we've had low inflation entrenched in the world's economies for a long, long time now. South Africa goes between uh, sort of four and and 6%. But um, yeah, we've had low inflation for a long time because of all sorts of reasons, low wages and uh, efficiencies. The one that really now is going to start to enthrall us is the election next Wednesday in South Africa. And you say here, support for ANC slumps ahead of vote, the poll shows. The poll of 2,375 registered voters conducted this month by the South African Institute for Race Relations uh, showed the ANC would win 51% backing on a 72% voter turnout. That's quite a drop. They need around 60, don't they? Or Mr Ramaphosa needs around 60. Well, he... he, uh... He needs that amount of votes in Parliament to change the Constitution. So uh, the key is if he only gets 51 uh, as a percentage, he's going to have to rely on somebody else to help get him past the two-thirds majority. Now, it was quite easy when he was getting 61 and the EFF were in favour of uh, land without compensation. It was all quite easy. Uh, It was definitely going to happen. Certainly, if he gets a much lower score than that, 
uh, it will have to be made up by the EFF. Now, again, the fascinating part of that study is that it is so completely different to what we have been hearing almost everywhere else. Yes. And I have very high regard for the work that is done by the Institute for Race Relations. Just before you just before you go on, I speak to Ian Cruikshanks, who's the chief economist at the Institute's um, Centre for Risk Analysis, and the work that they do is really, really good. It's underestimated, I think, Liston. No, no, absolutely. And I've heard Franz Cronier uh, many times, you know, and he looks uh, does a good bit of future gazing, but he always backs it up, you know, with figures and 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 and, and statistics that they have been assembling. And he was saying how complicated things could be and would be, you know, in at, at an election time in 2024. And that was the, when we were estimating that we would have our next election in, in uh, 2024. Yes. Uh, and so, but always he's been saying, but there's virtually not much change possible or going to happen uh, in this 2019 election. So it's quite a surprise to me that they've come out, you know, where, where they have done. Now, of course, the main beneficiary of this is a, a person by the name of Julius Malema. Mm. And I even saw an article which suggested that, you know, there might have to be a coalition government uh, and uh, we might have to talk about Minister Malema. No. And uh, I find that fascinating, you know, as to, as to the tone has changed completely from, you know, Cyril is a shoe in, there's no problem here, and away we go. Um, so I think, you know, next uh, Wednesday is going to prove extremely interesting. Uh, and I, again, 2,375, it still depends largely where they were, who they were, is that a proper stratified sample, etc. And the impression I get in a, in a number of places uh, is that people are unlikely to be moved to go to voting voting stations, largely because it was such an easy cakewalk. Now, with a bit more excitement in it, maybe we'll get better voter turnouts in a number of places. Western Cape, of course, particularly uh, important, I think, for the DA, uh, having had all kinds of internal uh, complications. But uh, it, there is definitely a move uh, strongly there. I get uh, messages on my cell phone quite regularly. <laughs> I like the way you say internal complications. You mean it's, <laughs> what, what, what you're really saying is it's a party that really doesn't know how to run itself. Yeah. Uh, well, again, I, I can't speak for what happens on the inside. I can only talk about what I see in the newspapers, the press, the television, and, and, and the various players. And most certainly, you know, you would have thought that at a time like this, when you have a, a powerful message to give as to, you know, after 25 years, there has been so yes. little progress in a number of areas. I'm not saying in all areas. They certainly have done wonders in terms of, of housing people, but in job creation, an abysmal uh, a report card. Mm. So, you know, you would have thought that they would step up and, and, and really, you know, present a challenge, but it's based on uh, South Africa for all, uh, golly. Uh, now, now, that's very good. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just look at the posters and, I, and I'm totally unimpressed. But yes, yeah, so it will be interesting. I think there's no doubt that the ruling party will still be the ANC with or without a coalition partner or with or without uh, a, a certain concessions being made to, uh, to other parties. 
And being a minority government is not unknown. And 51%, by the way, is enough to uh, to manage. But you just can't have too many ministers overseas on trips at times that they are needed to vote. So it will prove very, very interesting if indeed uh, France Cronier's uh, Institute of Race Relations survey proves anywhere near the truth. Let's move on now to the United States of America, because you say that uh, U.S. firms have hired 275,000 workers in the month of April, and that's the most in nine months. That's according to the ADP. And, of course, we have the the big number, of course, this Friday, and that is the U.S. non-farm payrolls. Uh, what do you expect? Now, well, again, we, we would discuss this. Firstly, ADP, I don't find uh, creditworthy. Uh, they've had all kinds of numbers but they are so totally different to what comes out, you know, in the official report that you really wonder who they're surveying, where they're surveying. Mm. 275,000 in a population, working population of 160 million is not the biggest number, uh, but it's bigger than it has been for ages. And I'm saying, well, you know, that's quite likely because, you know, February was poor and uh, getting into uh, the, the spring, as it were, in the in the northern hemisphere, I would imagine more people are hired. So I don't think the number of 275,000 is particularly good, but the rest is largely telling you a seasonal effect that happens. So I can't get carried away by by the ADP number. The number coming out uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, it's a similar story. We've had that many times where the um, previous uh, numbers are revised, which wouldn't uh, totally surprise me. Uh, and it's been a very noisy series over the last six or seven months. They've had the lowest this and the best that, and you cancel them out. They, have, they tend to be tend to average. So, uh, you know, whatever the forecast is, and I'd be surprised if it isn't something like 186,000, if that isn't the number that comes out uh, in terms of the uh, employment number. The uh, a more important story we've had before is the unemployment rate. And we're down, honestly, depending on which subsection of the population you look at, at levels that we haven't seen in 40 years. Now, you, where do you find more workers? Yes. Uh, you're, if your name is Trump, you're preventing people from coming to the United States Thank you. Uh, to, to fill some of the jobs. Uh, and again, there has been a dramatic set of changes in terms of the employment side to uh, to America, a lot more service jobs. And so it may be that people are moving from one to another, um, maybe for a few dollars an hour more. And we've seen, you know, uh, Walmart and others offering uh, what we in South Africa would regard as astonishing hourly rates. I think they're at $13 an hour. So I can quite imagine that some people, uh, you know, left a job where they were, uh, became unemployed for a week or two uh, or a month or so, and suddenly re-entered the, the, the workforce by working for Walmart at a, at a higher salary. So whether the jobs are truly being created at the rate we're talking about, it's the unemployment number and it is the quality of the jobs that I think we need to worry about. Again, coming back to that economy, and there seems to be a, a fascinating dichotomy between Wall Street, which we by, by which we generally mean what investors are considering yes. going up and doing quite well, uh, and certainly so far this year, and certainly after a terrible and the actual story coming out from uh, lower down. So car sales were down in, in America in the month of April, and in particular, your Fiat Chrysler were down. 
If you move across the border to Canada, you'll find that uh, the Fiat Chrysler sales were down 10% in that month, and you'll find that uh, in car sales in Canada were down 3.2%. Now, again, it, you know, uh, it, it is a little bit surprising to me that it is spilling over to the extent it is into the Canadian economy. But long story short is when you, when you get to a number of these uh, uh, economic indicators, and many of them we used to call in the old days leading indicators, uh, you know, if you're a bit worried about your job, you don't buy a new car. For sure, you don't buy a new house. So, you know, housing starts and car sales are quite important in judging the sentiment of the people on the street, whether they're employed or not. And the fact that those are heading down, and a number of them have been heading down for a couple of months now, uh, would say the economy is not doing all that well. You go to the corporate profit story, and I, I, I laugh a bit about this because uh, so many uh, companies are beating the estimates. And I say, well, it's unfortunate that the estimates they're beating were lowered by 5% in the month of March. In order to make the real numbers look good, Liston. I mean, the, <laughs> these numbers have been massaged for years. Every single time we say, well, 79% of S&P 500 companies have beaten their estimates. That's because people are massaging the numbers. It's, it's well, so obvious. Correct. <laughs> so, yes, I, the, the, the real point is, I, and, and I think I said it, you know, my outlook for the year, the Trump, Trump tax cuts of last year mm. have worked their way out the system. They were in the first quarter. They're now out. So, you know, it's impossible to get them again as a, as a, a, a motivator for improvement in, uh, in earnings. So uh, things are going smoothly. They're going reasonably. But just to jump across, and this is a very strange jump for, uh, for me, mm. but if you looked at the uh, Australian market, uh, the top 10 uh, shares in uh, Australia, of the top 10, four are banks, if not five. And so what banks do in Australia is jolly important. And ANZ, the Australian National uh, and the Australian New Zealand Bank, surprised the market with a better than expected earnings up 2%. And the shares went up 6 because they were so delighted that earnings had gone up too. Now, I just will read some of that as extreme warning signals. You know, I'm quite prepared to say that if the earnings have gone up too, the share price can easily go up too, because now you're getting more dividends in the future. Everything makes sense. But to uh, jump 6% on the basis of a 2% improvement, but that belies the fact that, in fact, the ANZ share has put on probably the best part of 8 or 10% already this year. So you're paying more and getting less. All I know is that's not the best form for investment strategy. Let's have a look at the oil price finally, if we can, uh, Liston, because just like uh, tobacco, in future generations of uh, broadcasting, there will be no talk of oil just like in in probably in five to ten years, there'll be no talk of uh, tobacco and people smoking because it, it'll all be over. But at the moment, we have to look at the oil price. It's a fossil fuel, and it's very, very important when it comes to inflation and therefore monetary policy of the central banks around the world. The oil price currently is 72.38. It wasn't that long ago that it was $30 per, per barrel. What do you think about this? Is this an important moment in our... Um, 
in our economic cycle and our market cycle, do you think? Do you think that this is going to scupper a bull market that has been in place now for, goodness me, since 2009, March 2009? Well, it could. As I said, it's 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 not as though you're reading, uh, you know, from a book that we haven't been reading for a while. Yes. And we've had extra production coming through, especially, you know, out of the Permian Basin in Texas. And in fact, Texas is doing extremely well with the shale and, and the oil price at, at the level it is. They are big Trump supporters in, uh, in the state of Texas. And to get a lower oil price would probably make him a little bit less popular. But again, you know, we've got the Iran story. We've got the Venezuela story. We've got the Nigeria story. Uh, you know, it, it just every time you look at the look at the paper, there's one or other of the producers uh, that's doing uh, a, a not able to either export or exporting far less than than it might have. So again, and that these temporary uh, uh, breakdowns may have an impact. But again, you come back to Saudi, uh, uh, Russia as 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 major producers. And America now actually getting around to exporting oil again. So the fact that China is pretty oil poor, I just don't know of any major oil discoveries in and around China. And there you have a major economy and still, I would say, largely dependent on on fossil fuel for for a a lot of its transport, uh, taking more and more barrels per day. And being forbidden now in in many ways by Trump uh, from taking Iranian oil, which they were getting, and they're saying, well, where will it come from? So I think the oil market right now is particularly difficult from a political point of view. Uh, But your point is, you know, will we in fact be using far less oil, you know, in, in three to five years time? And I suggest not because... Uh, you know, the electric vehicles, I see a couple on the road at the moment. Mm. And they might produce them at a, at a big rate. And Tesla says they'll sell a million next year. But, you know, if they sell a million next year, that's probably 5% of America's car sales. I doubt that that, uh, that they'll achieve that. And definitely we know that, you know, the other producers, whether that be Nissan, whether that be uh, 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 um, Volkswagen are coming at them. BMW having a, an electric vehicle. You, you know, the bigger players are coming through with, with theirs as well. But I have yet to find a friend in South Africa who has one. I know yeah. a number of people in the United States. I don't know any who, who have them. So I think at the moment, you know, the, 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 the talk is there, the hype is there, but we will be needing more oil virtually each month from here as long as China continues growing and America does not fall off a cliff, which I'm not suggesting. So uh, in my book, the more likely candidate for oil is that it carries on up. And that would surprise any number of people. Listen, how do we get hold of you? You're an independent financial consultant these days. So if people want to have more of your wisdom, what do they do? Liston at liston.coza. And Liston is with an O, L-I-S-T-O-N. Listen, Mages, thank you very much for your time. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.